Blog Talk Radio. Warning, you have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Aleem L. Bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Aleem L. Bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. So you claim to be a god? Damn right I'm a god. The maker, the owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, god of the universe. Wow, I didn't know that. 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 So tune in or lose, friend. All strategies apply mathematically. The information he drop is real powerful. So get your notepad, it's more than an hour full. Watch your jaw, the crew was watching talk. Indigenous to the land, wherever we stand. First world order, we bring it at home in the first quarter. Invisible lines don't apply, we cross borders. Silly rabbit, knowledge for God. No matter where you resign, lies, temple of Mars. So don't fret or proceed with hesitation. Just tune in to Blog Talk to get the information. Peace. Ehawate Washita'is, this is Brother Fahim Takamsha El Bay, filling in for Dr. Aline for tonight. I'll be your host tonight. And I uh, hope everything is all right with you and your family and all the families all over the world. This including not only just Moors, so called black people, African Americans, or whatever, for everyone else as well. That is listening to this show tonight. Because you must find this show pretty interesting, or else you wouldn't be uh, tonight listening to this show. So I say, I hope everything is all right with you and yours as well. The whole human family. Okay? All right, our topic tonight is going to be the part two of the misunderstanding and the misunderstanding and misoverstanding of nationality and Moorish science. Okay, I'm going to start off with the book with 77 Amazing Facts About the Moors with complete proof written by Grand Sheik Kujo Adwa'il. The Moore Science Temple of America, Sub-Temple Number 5 in Toronto, Canada. And by Grand Sheik Rami A. Salam El. The Hip Hop Temple, 23, Oakland, California, edited by Sheikas T.S. Naji Ula El. Of the Moore Science Temple, Khalifa, after the, the Moorish Queen, that they named California after. All right. It says here, the importance of this is that what we feel is right, what we think is right, what we want to be right, according to law, it's not right. Negroes, a.k.a. blacks, a.k.a. people with African descent, 
a.k.a. African Americans, do not have rights. If you require further proof, see the overrule but not overturn Dred Scott decision. It says in parentheses, Scott versus Sanford, 1857. This case went before the U.S. and small case Supreme Court, the higher court in the land where it was confirmed K.A. Negroes have no rights in this country. Therefore, black people equals civilly dead. In the small print, U.S. being civilly dead means you have no civil rights. Don't you find it odd that black people are the ones marching for civil rights? Or why is there is no list of the civil rights for which we have been marching? Good questions, isn't it? The truth, as Elhaj Malik El-Shabaab said, civil rights come with human rights. If you do not have human rights, you cannot have civil rights. We don't have civil rights as blacks because blacks are legally seen and treated as chattel property and, and as not human beings. The solution, our liberty, comes from knowing the truth. The so-called blacks, African-Americans, people of color, etc., are Moors. Say, say, say it loud, I'm more and I'm proud. Say it loud, I'm more and I'm proud. Say it loud, I'm more and I'm proud. That's what we should be saying. Tybeer! Allah, Tybeer! Allah, Akbar! Tybeer! Allah, Akbar! Okay? You say that also. I was told by Dr. Eileen today that that meant the same as say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, but you're saying say it loud. God is great. Say it loud. God is great. Say it loud. God is great. Allah Wakbar. Who are the Moors? Who are we? You know, those who know that we are Moors. Those of us that are national Moors. Those that are, even those that are in the temples. The Moor Science Temple of America Incorporated, the Moorish Temple of Science of the World. Who are the Moors? Who are we? That is the question. The short answer is that the so-called black people, brown people, African Americans, Hispanics, niggers, people of color, all of these people are Moors. I'm going to say it again. The short answer is that the so-called black people, brown people, African Americans, Hispanics, niggers, people of color, all of these people are Moors. Our true name as a people was stripped from us, and these imposed brand names or enslavement labels forced upon us. Over time, knowledge of self was forgotten, and we truly believed we were Negroes, and then blacks, and now African Americans. Programming has worked so well that most sleepy-headed Moors, those who will still believe they are black, 
will reject being called Moore in favor of a slave label. Acts of Moors have time and again heard many say Moore is a name the white man or European gave us or Moore means black. This section is for those still clinging to the enslavement labels or using the excuses mentioned above to prevent themselves and others from embracing our true heritage. Before providing the definition of Moore, let us first examine the definition of Blackamoor. According to the New Oxford American Dictionary, Blackamoor is defined as a black African, a very dark-skinned person. The etymology section highlights Blackamoor as a compound word composed of the word black and the adjective or describing the word and more the noun. And I'm stop right here, as I was uh, a statement was made in the 1800s in England, when this man was shoveling coal. I was reading this book, and I think the book was called "We Were White and We and and Were Slaves" by Michael A. Hoffman, the second. And anyway, he was shoveling coal, and the coal, coal somehow spilled down upon him. It made him so dark that his friend told him, Boy, you as black as a moor. Black a moor. That's being descriptive. The adjective, what, what the adjective does, uh, as I just read out there to you just now, it describes a noun. Black is the adjective, moor is the noun. What you were doing, what the, what, what reason why black a moor came about, they were describing what we look like. That's what they were doing. They were describing we what we look like as Moors. Let me move along here. Okay, the okay the American Dictionary of the English Language, compiled in 1828 by Noah Webster, defines Blackamoor as a Negro, a black man. In Webster's 1828, this interest is. This entry is also recorded as a compound word, combining the individual terms black and more. Black and lowercase and more, and up the word, the B in black, and lowercase and the M and more, high, high case. Here is a question that must be asked. If black or more is a compound word, meaning two words put together to create a new word, then how could more mean black? How could it? How, how could that? How, how could that be? How could it mean black? Wouldn't that be likened to saying "black a cat" or "black a black" or "black like a black"? What about a more a more? Neither of these terms make sense, do they? No, they don't. Intelligence, considera- intelligence consideration would lead the, nation, the rational student to this conclusion. So we are clear on that fact that more does not and cannot mean black, as, as these are two, two different words with two different meanings. Let us also be clear, though, that black is a term that has been used 
to substitute our correct and proper designation more. These people who have been known as black or Negroes were being misrepresented. These people were and are, in fact, Moors. According to the Oxford Dictionary, Moor is defined as a member of a Northwestern African Muslim people of mixed Berber and Arab descent. In the 8th century, these people conquered the Iberian Peninsula but were finally driven out of their last stronghold in Granada at the end of the 15th century, in 1492 to be exact. The etymology section for the entry more states that the origin is from Old French, more via Latin from Greek, morus, inhabitant Mauritania. Webster's 1820 American Dictionary of the English Language defines more as a native of the northern coast of Africa, called by the Romans from the color of the people. Mauritania, the country of dark complexion people, the same country is now called Morocco, Tunis, Algiers, and, and etc. The etymology section states Dutch or Belgic Moor, German Moor, French Moor, Greek Moro, meaning black obscure. Based on the above, specifically the Webster's 1820 Dictionary, we can clearly see that Moors are native indigenous of the northern or northwestern coast of Africa, which is here. Before the, It was all Africa at one time, before the Great Drift. Okay. Furthermore, unlike enslavement term, black, which gives a generic and intentionally vague connection to the land we call Africa. Moor connects us back to our history and cultures of nations from the past, Morocco and Mauritania being two such examples. Superficial, superficial research into the history of Mauritania will reveal this nation was established as a kingdom of the 3rd century B.C. More extensive research will lead you to connect Moors with Carthaginians, Phoenicians, Atlanteans, Moabites, and Moors, to name a few. Moors meaning M-W-R-S, for the word derived from Moor, as I explained to you in previous lectures on the blog talk show. Admittedly, a few of our sisters and brothers are still holding on to the enslavement brand black, not unlike the elder in the film Coming to America with regard to use of Muhammad Ali's enslavement name. It is understandable where that urge come from. It is human nature to want to hold, hold on to what little culture we have left or what we think is our culture. The truth is that we let go of black and reclaim our true Moorish identity. We regain our lost culture, history, and then some. One example is our homeland. When we decide to be who we are, to be ourselves, Moors, and, cry, and, and proclaim it to the world, we will reclaim and control of our land. What land does this refer to? The question is asked. All of what is known as the Americas or the Almorocks. 
This is not limited to the territory those who occupy our land have been have been referring to as America, but the entire continent from the top of North America, past Calgary and Toronto, through the so-called United States, south past Mexico, all the way to the tip of Argentina. This includes all of the islands of the Caribbean, or Caribbean, however you want to pronounce it. Yes, all of this is the homeland and birthright of the Moors. We are Moorish Americans, descendants of Moroccans, and born in America. Now let us let us give black, Negro, and colored back to the colonists and slaveholders, and and be ourselves. It's time to uplift fallen humanity. All right. I heard a brother uh, on YouTube. Uh, I think it was the Aboriginal uh, series. That comes on YouTube. Pretty good, pretty good series. Uh, they drop a lot of information, a lot of inf- important information. You know, a lot of science. Uh, I enjoy listening to this uh, to their programs. Uh, one brother on the Aboriginal program said that uh, uh, a lot of people keep on telling people that we are Moors. You know, uh, that we we uh, a lot of our ancestors weren't calling ourselves Moors. I hope they get that to their head. That's what he said. And I'm like, you know, oh, I wish I had his phone number. Uh, he said that, and I hope he's listening to this show tonight, too. Uh, my response to that is uh, the word more, as I, as I said it many a times before, is ancient. It comes from the word boo, M-U, and M-U-U, into M-U-U-R-A. So, yes, a lot of our ancestors were calling themselves Moors. The United Washington D. the Bermondia Moor Nation Empire. You hear what I said? The United, the United, D. the Bermondia Moor Nation, Moor, they spell M-U-U-R, Moor Nation Empire. So that is ancient. The Washington D. the Lamondia Moore Empire is the oldest tribal nation in the world. The oldest. Not one of the oldest. The oldest. Supersedes over nation tribe in Africa, the Americas, Australia, New Zealand, etc. Me, I am a Washington Choctaw. I am Washington Choctaw. I may say I am a Washington Choctaw Moor. I have bloodlines to them. I have a picture of my great great grandmother. She was Choctaw. I mentioned this many a time also. Also, pre Civil War pictures, to be exact. I mean, a post Civil War era picture. I'm sorry. But maybe they weren't all calling themselves Moors. They probably were all calling themselves by their tribal or national names. They they were more likely they were probably saying, I am a Kitiwa, which is Cherokee. I am 
Seminole. Some people say that's a, another artificial, social artificial construct. I need to do uh, more research on that so I can't argue that. I am Crow. I am Cheyenne. I am a Cheyenne man. I am a Skogie woman. I'm a Kiowa, a Kiowa woman or man. I am a Washita man. I am a Choctaw woman. I am a Lenny Lenape woman. I am a Nanako man. And it goes on and on and on and on. But I can tell you one thing. What they what I what I, what our ancestors wasn't calling themselves, they damn sure wasn't calling themselves black. I can tell you that. Because I said it before and I say it again. The, the, the black, the B-L-A-C-K black, is modern English. And you want to go further, the B-L-A-K and B-L-E-G, Blake or Bledge or Blegger, me actually means pale, white, or bleach. So they couldn't have been calling themselves that. But I hear these sisters and brothers, mainly brothers, keep on saying that they weren't calling themselves Moors, but they keep calling them calling our ancestors black people. They wasn't calling themselves black. That verbiage was not in usage at that time. The word Moor was. Okay. There's a lot of confusion that uh there was I heard one brother said that um uh the prophet the holy prophet didn't use the term the Asiatic nations. I don't know. I wasn't around when the holy prophet was here. They have a lot of problems with Moorish, the word Moorish. The more I, I used to have a I have I used to have an issue with Moorish, but the more I study, the more I learn. But actually, Moorish is an adjective. It means that you're being like a Moor, but then again, you can swing that with a double-edged sword. It also means connection, connected to being a Moor, because we all connected to our ancestors. So I don't have that that much of a problem with the word Moorish. I really don't. But there are people that can uh that are confused about we didn't this is not uh Morocco Morocco's in Northwest Africa and I keep telling, I keep telling, I keep telling them, this is the Moorish Empire over there is the Moroccan Kingdom. Talking about, well, they don't call it, they're not Moors in Morocco because the word Moor don't not come from Morocco. 
and a lot of the Moroccans in Morocco, well, you keep talking about Morocco and Northwest Africa. You haven't mentioned anything about Morocco here, or our Morocco, which is the same as America. Let's take a dive into the Circle 7, Holy Quran of the Boy Science Temple of America, divinely prepared by the noble Prophet Ali. Okay. We go to page 56, chapter... Um, let see. Chapter 45. Okay. The origin of the Asiatic nations. Here it is right here. Here it is right here. The, the divine origin of the Asiatic nations, meaning body of people, Asiatic. One, the falling sons and daughters of the Asiatic nation of North America need to learn to love instead of hate and to know of their higher self and lower self. This is the uniting of the Holy Quran of the Mecca of Mecca, for teaching and instructing all Moorish Americans, etc. Two, the key of civilization was and is in the hands of the Asiatic nations, the Moorish, the Moorish who were the ancient Moabites and the founders of the holy city of Mecca. It still says, I'm going to read this again, on number two, uh, number two, the key of civilization was and is in the hands of the Asiatic nations, the Moorish, who were the ancient Moabites and the founders of the holy city of Mecca. Mecca. Okay. Now, here where the word Moorish. Okay, I know some people, I don't call myself, I don't, I don't say I am Moorish. I don't say that. I say I am a Moor. You know, the Moorish, I say, I will say the Moors. When I say the Moorish, but I do use the word Moorish from time to time. I may see a beautiful couple of Aboriginal Indigenous Americans walking down the street, and I will say, oh, what a beautiful Moorish couple. I mean, I can say, oh, what a beautiful Moor couple. I don't know which one that sounds better, but the correct word would be, the, what a beautiful Moor couple. It would be better. Because Moors, you're saying they are being like Moors. Some people say, well, we don't know if the Holy Prophet wrote this book or wrote a lot of things in this book or not. We don't because we wasn't there. None of us was there. Could have wrote it. He might not. I don't know. But not that, that's not to say he didn't write it, that in there. Because, uh, and I say it again, it was all compiled. It says here, divinely prepared by the noble prophet Drew Ali. It was prepared. So let me let me move along here. Three, the Egyptians who were the Hamites and a direct descendant of Mithraim, the Arabians, the seed of Hagar, Japanese and Chinese. Four, the Hindus of India, 
the descendants of the ancient Canaanites, Hittites, and Moabites from the land of Canaan. Five, the Asiatic nations and countries of North, South, and Central America. The Moorish nations, the Moorish Americans, and Mexicans in North America, Brazilians, Argentinians, and Chileans in South America. Six, Colombians, Nicaraguans, and the natives of San Salvador in Central America, etc. All these are Muslims. Number seven, the Turks are the true descendants of Hagar, who are the chief protectors of the Islamic creed of Mecca, beginning from Muhammad I, the founding of the uniting of Islam by the command of the great universal God, Allah. So, I'm going to read this again. The Turks are the true descendants of Hagar. Who was Hagar? Was it Hagar a Moabite queen? Because Moabite is another word, ancient word, the word Moor come from. But you will have Moors talking about Bay is a Turk. It's a, a name, as a term that comes from Turkey. That is a Turkish term. Therefore, the ancient Turks was what? The ancient Turks was Moors. Believe it or not, know it or not, do your research and your homework. Chapter 46, The Beginning of Christianity. One, the foundation of Christianity began in Rome. The Roman nations founded the first church of whom crucified Jesus of Nazareth for seeking to redeem his people from under the Roman yoke and law. Two, Jesus himself was the true blood of the ancient Canaanites and Moabites and the inhabitants of Africa. And by the way, we are talking about justice. Okay. We say Jesus. All right, number four. Then Europe had peace for a long time until Muhammad I came upon the scene and fulfilled the works of Jesus of Nazareth. Five, the holy teaching of Jesus was to the common people to redeem them from under the great pressure of the hands of the unjust that the rulers and the rich could not, up, could not oppress the poor. Also, that the lion and the lamb may lay down together, and neither would be harmed. One morning came. They are the, the two opposites. Number six, the teachings were not accepted by the rulers, neither by the rich, because they loved the principles of the Ten Commandments. And also, the lion, the lion and the lamb is also are two angels. The one positive angel and the one negative one. But the negative and the positive were joined to be one. I want you to kind of what that means. Okay? All right. Number seven. Through the Ten Commandments, the rulers and the rich live while the poor suffer and die. Number eight, the lamb is the poor people, the lion is the rulers and the rich, and through love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice, all men are one, all men are one, and equal to seek their own destiny, 
destiny and to worship under their own vine and fig tree after the principles of the holy and divine laws of their forefathers. Nine, all nations of the earth in these modern days are seeking peace, but there is but one true and divine way that peace may be obtained in these days, and it is through love, treat, love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice being taught universally to all nations in all lands. Okay. Chapter 46. Uh, this is the one I really want to get to. Egypt, the capital empire of the dominions of Africa. I'll read this again. Egypt, the capital empire of the dominions of Africa. One, the inhabitants of Africa are the descendants of the ancient Canaanite from the land of Canaan. You should listen to this one. Good. Everybody listen to me good. Number two, old man Cush and his family are the first inhabitants of Africa who came from the land of Canaan. Three, his father Ham and his family were second. Then came the word Ethiopia, which means the demarcation line of the dominion of Amexum, the first true and divine name of Africa. The dividing of the land between the father and the son. Number four, the dominion of Cush, northeast and southeast Africa, and northwest and southwest was his father's dominion of Africa. Five, in later years, many of their brethren from Asia and the Holy Lands joined them. Number six, the Moabites from the land of Moab who received permission from the pharaohs of Egypt to settle and inhabit northwest Africa. They were the founders and are the true possessors of the present Moroccan Empire. Now I want to read this over again, okay? Just bear with me. The Moabites from the land of Moab, who received permission from the pharaohs of Egypt to settle and inhabit northwest Africa, they were the founders and are the true possessors of the present Moroccan Empire, not the Moroccan Kingdom, the Moroccan Empire, which is America, North, Central, South, and the adjoining islands, which is the Americana. This is where we're at now, the Moroccan Empire. All right, move along here. Seven, their dominion and habitation extended from northeast and southwest Africa across the great Atlantis, even into the present North and Central America, and also Mexico and the Atlantis Islands before the great earthquake, which caused the great Atlantic Ocean. Are you listening to me? That means we were here for hundreds of thousands of years into the millions of years. Probably billions. Who knows? We were already here. It was said that we were here even before the first African game. 
Number eight, the river Nile was dredged and by the ancient pharaohs of Egypt in order to trade with the surrounding kingdoms. Also, the Niger River was dredged by the great pharaoh of Egypt. In those ancient days for trade, it extends eastward from the river Nile westward across the great Atlantic. It was used for trade and transportation. Nine, according to all true and divine records of the human race, there is no Negro, black, or colored race attached to the human family because all the inhabitants of Africa were and are of the human race, descendants of the ancient Canaanite nation from the holy land of Canaan. What your ancient forefathers were, you are today without doubt or contradiction. There is no one who is able to change man from the descendant nature of his forefathers unless his power extends beyond the great universal creator Allah himself. These holy and divine laws from the prophet Noble Juwali, the founder of uniting the Moorish Science Temple of America. These laws are to be strictly preserved by the members of all the temples of the Moorish Science Temple of America that they will learn to open their meeting and guide it according to the principles of law, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. Number 14, every subordinate temple of the Grand Major Temple is to formed under the covenant of love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice and create their own laws and customs in conjunction with the laws of the Holy Prophet and the Grand Temple. I, the Prophet Noble Juwali, was sent by the great God Allah to warn all Asiatics of America to repent from their sinful ways before that great and lawful day was assured to come. Number 15, the time has come when every nation must worship under its own vine and fig tree. The every tongue must confess his own. 16, through sin and disobedience, every nation has suffered slavery due to the fact that they honored not the creed and principles of their forefathers. That's right, we have not. We have not honored the creed and principles of our foremothers and forefathers. That's why we are catching hell today. We are killing up, killing up each other like roaches. It makes the police look like Boy Scouts. In comparison, you need to have more protests on us killing up each other. Way more protests on that. Because we are destroying each other by the thousands every day. Why? For the lack of knowledge. For not knowing who we are. Not knowing ourselves. This is what, this is what happens when you strip a people of, its, of their history, of their language, of their names, their culture, their flag. This is what happens, and this is the result of it, of what, what we see in our major cities all across the Union States today. Let me move, move it along. Number 17. <clears throat> 
That is why the nationality of the Moors was taken away from them in 1774, and the word Negro, black, and colored was given to the Asiatics of America, who were of Moorish descent, because they honored not the principles of their mother and father, and strayed after the gods of Europe, of whom they knew nothing. This circle seven. I heard one brother say, I think I was to be Bay said, the, the, uh, we took on their religious and their belief systems, and they took on our sciences. They took on our science, they rose, we fell. And that's what exactly happened. You must learn to... Uh, uh, a lot of people have a lot of confusion. Uh, oh, you weren't called Moors back in the day. You called, well, what the hell were you called in? Well, what the hell did we call ourselves? We definitely call ourselves by our tribal names. I just got through telling you that. And we called, uh, some of, a lot of us called ourselves Moors. I'm going to read a few pages from uh, the book by Leo Weiner, The Africa and the, and the Discovery of America. For, you, for those who still have doubt that we are the original Americans. I'm going to read some here. First, I'm going to read some here from John Henry Clark. Peace be upon him. Okay? It says here, The myth of, of the European is a spreader of civilization. In general, no people has, old, has, has ever spread any civilization anywhere, anywhere at any time. People spread their way of life nearly always at the expense of destroying at the, hold up. At the expense of destroying other people's way of life. That's them, all right. Okay. The world did not wait in in darkness for Europeans to bring the light of civilization and culture. As a matter of fact, Europeans put out more light. Then they then they bought, and they destroyed civilizations that were already old before Europe was born. This fact is emphasized in the part of the book, The Devastation of the Indies, a brief account by Father Bartholomew de la Casas, sometimes referred to as the first historian of the New World. In his book, he estimates that from... 12 to 25 million indigenous inhabitants of the Americas were murdered, accommodate Christopher Columbus' alleged discovery. After nearly 500 years and enough books about Christopher Columbus and his discovery to fill a library, we are still not too clear as to who Christopher Columbus was. If he wasn't an Italian, did he spend so much time in Portugal and Spain? If he was from the lower social class, 
how could he have married into the upper class or upper social class of his day? Where did he get his training as a sailor and a navigator? He indicated in one fragment of his diary that he had been uh, to what was referred to as the Guinea Coast, West Africa, and that he had spent 28 years at sea prior to 1492. If this is so, there is a possibility that he could have been a part of early Portuguese slave trade. In 1492, he emerged as Admiral of the Ocean Seas with Queen Isabella of Spain's endorsement. What petty officer and officer position did he hold prior to his appointment? In essence, how did he qualify to be Admiral of the Oceans and the Seas with so little experience in command that the world knows about it? Maybe one of the great myths in history is Christopher Columbus himself. He is a reigning hero of Western civilization. I mean, he is a reigning hero of Western civilization and an international known discoverer who discovered absolutely nothing. If Christopher Columbus did not discover the Americas, exactly what did what what did he what did he do? If of great significance, he opened up the Western Hemisphere, North and South America, uh, North and South American and the Caribbean islands for European exploitation and eventual domination. He helped to set in motion a concept of divine white right that violated every law of God and man. This concept rescued Europe from the lethargy of the Middle Ages, created modern capitalism and the scientific and technical world that we know today. That is why, among our other reasons, the Europeans saw fit to read the Africans out of the respectful commentary of human history, to recognize the pre-Columbian presence of the Africans in what is referred to as the New World and their I mean, what is referred to as the New World? We didn't refer to they did. Uh, uh, what is referred to as the New World and their contributions to the indigenous cultures that we were already here and tantamount to recognizing his full human beingness. You can you cannot do this to a people and justly and and justify their enslavement. For 500 years, the world has been mainly ruled by a form of European nationalism that negated or denied the contribution of other people to that human activity referred to as civilization. Professor Weiner's book shows that the Africans, along with the indigenous American Americans referred to as Indians, were partners in the creation of durable civilization long before the emergence of the Europeans. In this part in the part of this book and this book Professor Weiner tell us more than the fact that the pre-Columbian presence of Africans and the New World. This is a book not only about the exchange and the amalgam of culture, this is a book about the development of products such as cotton and the origin of some of the vegetation we will take for granted in not too subtle way. Professor Weiner, to saying that the geography now referred to as the Americas and the Caribbean islands could have done without the discovery by Europeans and, may, and might have been better off. They would have. Not know might have do it. The encroachment of Europeans on the land, people, and cultures of this part of the world was protracted act of aggression that has not ended until this day. It is 
clear that Africans and indigenous Americans could, could have put together an amalgamated way of life without destructive war against each other. For the European to have achieved this, he would have to respect the humanity of the people that he found, and he showed no tendency to do so in despite of that fact that most of them treated the Europeans as guests until they decided to be conquerors and enslavers. The Europeans encountered the indigenous Americans as at a turning point in the world history between 1400 and 1600 A.D., this mistreatment of these people and their slow disappearance through disease, murders, starvation that populated the larger or large areas of the Americas and the Caribbean islands. Christopher Columbus asked for Father de la Casas, who came over on his third voyage to petition the Pope for an increase in the African slave trade, allegedly to save the soul of the Indians. The Pope sent commissions to inquire into the condition of the Indians and only to discover that uh, on some islands in the Caribbean island, in the, in the Caribbean Sea there was not one Indian left alive. This book is about an evil history that changed the world for all times. It is a sad story that did not have to be. What the Africans and the indigenous Americans have given to the world is a part of the total humanity that must be respectively considered in order to build a world where all people can walk in peace and dignity with their respective contributions accepted. John Henry Clark, April 1992. That is so, because when they, you have to bear in mind, uh, people, you must bear in mind that when they talk about the Americans, they're talking about us. They're talking about us. And they're also talking about some of the other Algonquin people as well that came thousands of years after we came. But we were the first ones that were here. You must keep that bear in mind. Okay, start right here. In the very beginning of the 16th century, bees were imported into Africa from Kambe in India by the way of Mozambique. They went and they went also in the little ship some honorable merchants of Mozambique who carried with them cloth of Kambaya and red red beads. These these being the principal articles used in their trade. Sancho de Toro took also, the king's present of pieces of crimson silk, mirrors, caps, trappings for hawks, little bells from Flanders, small transparent glass beads, and other things to be sold in that country, which delight the people of Safala. Duarte Barbosa, who described African and Asia in 1518, frequently referred to Kambe and that and the bees manufactured there. At Safala, he met Moors, who brought bees from the East Coast, whether they were, whether they were carried from Kambay and the manner of the traffic 
was that they came in small vessels, names and vocals from the kingdom of Kaloa, Bombaka, and Melinde, being many cotton cloths, some spotted and others white and blue, some of silk, and many small bees, gray and red and yellow, which things come to the said kingdoms from the great kingdoms of Cambaya, or Cambaya and other greater ships. And these were the said Moors who came from Melinde and Mombaca purchased from others, purchased from others who bring them hither and paid for in gold at such a price that some of those merchants departed well pleased with gold they gave by weight. This was the trade between the Americas and Africa before the European set his foot on American on American shores. This is what I'm reading to you about. In this town, uh, Benamatepa, the king most usually abode in very large building, and thence the traders carried the inland gold to Kafala and gave it an unweighed to the Moors for colored cloths and bees, which are practically a sting among them, which bees come for Cambaya. Further on, the Kwama, a hundred and forty leagues from it skirting the coast, is a very great town of Moors called Angoya, which is which has its own kind. In it dwell many merchants who deal in gold, ivory, silk, and cotton cloth, and the Kambe bees at those of Kafala and went and were went went to do. So they were using the word Moor pretty much in those days. For those who are always talking about uh, we weren't Moors and uh, we were this and, the, and we that, you know, uh, we were, yeah, we were uh, those tribal names too. And that was probably a lot of the, uh, the terms we were using, our tribal nation names. And I said it before, but they were damn sure weren't using the word black, okay? Okay. Now let's take a dive into the book, Fellow's Children in the New World. The Moorish History and Identity in the African-American Presence by Jose V. Pimianta Bay, Ph.D. Okay, some of us, a lot of us trip off of the title, you know, The New World, where the world wasn't new. There's no, not, not trying to, you know, uh, same thing against the book. The book is a very, very, very good book. And it has a lot of good information in it. And for those of you that don't have these books in your library, like uh, Africa and the Discovery of America by Leo Weiner. Leo Weiner spelled L-E-O, last name W-I-E-N-E-R. L-E-O, W-I-E-N-E-R. And the name of his book called the Africa, Africa and the Discovery of America. With an introduction by... John Henry Clark. That's a must book for your library if you don't have it. And the other must book for your library is Othello's Children in the New World. The Moorish History and Identity in the, in the African-American Experience. 
by Jose B. Pimianta Bay. Very good book, very informative book. A lot of information. The brother did did a lot of his homework and did a lot of his research. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start on page 68. It says here, Robert Beverly II is noted as one of the Virginia's, here in America, Virginia's first early historians writing in the early 18th century. Beverly alluded to several cultural connections or similarities between Africa, Asia, and the Americas. A study of classical and temporary writers, Beverly held a special interest in Indian history. We traveled and well-read in geography and history. Beverly said that the Indian foods, the Indian foods of Virginia were strange, and reminded him of the strange foods sold at the markets of Fes, F-E-S-S, as parentheses Fes and F-E-Z, and the diet of the Arabians, Libyans, Parthians, and the region of the Southwest Asia and Ethiopians. In Harold Lawrence's articles of African explorers in the New World, we find evidence of more of the considerable similarities between the Old World of Africa and the so-called New World Indian peoples of the Americas. Not only do they, West African people, have similar names and naming methods, but tribal groups are also designated by the same titles, differing only in aspects of an occasional prefix or suffix. Furthermore, the woman folk of the same region in all appearance could easily be mistaken for American Indians. Jules Corvette, a French linguist, showed that several American Indians' names listen good, listen to me real good. Jules Corvette, a French linguist, showed that several American Indian names were also found among the Moors of Northwest Africa. Okay? This is what they call Indian names. Which came, Indian, which came from the word indigo. In, in, I'm sorry. Indigo. Which means dark complexion. The ones that... The Indians they talk about is us. Okay? I'm going to repeat it again one more time. Jules Colbert, a French linguist, showed that several American Indian names were also found among the Moors of Northwest Africa. The presence of such African ethnic names strongly suggests an African physical presence and or Influence in or influence some of the American Indian names that Covet argued had African Moorish origins were Atlantis or Atlantis, Borquitis, ancient Bukets, Bokoyas or Bokoya of the Rift in the Maghreb. That's Morocco. Guznaya, Arif, Gaulis, Chorda, Gamaris, Gauchas, 
Gulches of the Canary Islands and the Horaris, Hura, or Horera of Morocco. COVID indicated that the Antis, Atours, Gess, Lippies, Parises, or Parisis, Saracus, led to Saracens. We know who the Saracens are. The Saracens are Moors. Let me move on, continue on. Chains of Moors, Durans, appear to indicate Europeanized African names. A Sudanese ethical tribal name, Marabatine, was also found to compare with the Marabatinas and Marabatinas of Portuguese. Guyana, now Brazil. The Marabios of Nicaragua and the Marajin of Venezuela. It is highly significant that ethnic names and national designations like Marabatine and Marabitamus, Marabiosus, and Marabitinus would appear among American Indian peoples. Such names are clearly derivations of Morabit or Morabout, which definitely relate to Africans or Africa's Moorish Muslims. The 14th century traveler and historian Ibn Battuta referred to the Marabouts as North African frontiersmen, largely remembered for defending the African Muslim dominions from Catholic European incursions upon African lands. The term is also used to refer to holy men of the Maghrib, the presence of the title, the presence of the titles of Enbei, both African and American Indian people is also significant as they are both used by the Moorish science Muslims. I'll read this again. The present titles of El and Bay among both African and American Indian peoples is also significant as they are both used by Moor science temple Muslims. Hope everybody got that. The Onondaga of the Iroquois nations used the title Il as both a title and a family name. Let me pronounce this. Let me say this again. The, uh, the Onondaga of the Iroquois nations, Iroquois nations, nations used this as both of the title and family names. They say that the Eel clan sprung from the Seneca River. The Eel clan is, is known to be one of the principal lines for chiefs in the work of William Boucham, uh, the name of the prominent Iroquois man, Sotis Bay. Yeah, it's spelled B-A-Y, but phonetically corresponds to the Moorish title of Bay, B-E-Y. So you get all these eels and bay or eels and bays here in the Americas. These are ancient. These are ancient noble noble name noble, uh, noble titles. Ancient. Dealing with tribes. That's what you boys always talking about. Don't deal with no tribe and all that. Well, uh, well hell. You got a bay and an eel, then you're hell. You, uh, you're connected to a tribe, damn. Tribe, damn, damn it. What the hell are you talking about? 
because a lot of us are connected to some tribe here in America, whether you want to accept that or not. Okay. Although Sheikh Adadiyah doesn't present an etymological or historical origin for the name Bay, he does mention the presence of the Bay clan in Senegal, West Africa. Diop identified them as the good luck family. Diop says that Bay was one of the Kororian dynastic clans who systematically refused to embrace the Islamic religion. This appears somewhat peculiar given the fact that Bay will become so closely associated with an Islamic Muslim identity. So I don't know who to believe. Although we all, those who know, we all know that Bay means governor or provincial ruler. <clears throat> it says, in the presence of much, uh, in the presence of so much evidence suggesting parallels between the continents and peoples of America, Asia, and Africa. It is logical considered that it's an indicative of ancient and pre-Columbia contacts. Consequently, one might consider the etymological significance of the word Indian. The famed Joe A. Rogers informed us that the Indi, I-N-D-I, was an ancient Latin word for black people in general. Read it again. The famed Joe A. Rogers Inform, informs us that the word Indi, I-N-D-I, was an ancient Latin word for black people in general. The antiquity of the name Indian as a Eurocentric reference for very dark complexion people is thereby illustrated. Consequently, it would actually be semantically correct for any European school in land to refer to Africans so-called Negroid peoples as Indians. So here we go. See, a lot of people, um, it's been like I said, uh, I like to you know correct a lot of mis overstandings and understandings and understandings of. A lot about about our history, of Moorish history, Moorish science, and nationality. You know, uh, there's a lot of things you got to do when you get nationalized. Uh, you have to uh, those that are, that are listening tonight that have already nationalized know what I'm talking about. First, you must learn learn about nationality. You must learn about nationality. You must study it and keep on studying it and studying yourselves of who you are as a as a more. Study the word, what the word more means. Study what nationality means. Study history, all history. I don't mean just Asiatic history, all history. 
all history, including Europe. Because European history is our history. That's our history. Not just Africa. European, American history, Australian history, world history is our history. Can I study the history of our people by studying the history of the Moors? That is not studying history. You are not studying history when you study history like that. You have studied, you got to study history of the world. Because we are the world's first inhabitants. Everywhere we go, we are aboriginal indigenous to the land. If we go to Russia, we are aboriginal indigenous there. If we go to China, we are aboriginal indigenous there. If we go to Japan, we are aboriginal indigenous there. England, we are aboriginal indigenous there. You don't believe me? Read the book called Ancient and Modern Britons by David McRishty. Book one and book two. He drops it all down to you. Because we are the forerunners of the, of the human family. Everybody came from us, believe it or not, or accept it or not. Okay, let me move along here. Wayne says in his preface in his preface in preface, if the maxims of Christianity were practiced, the moral law would supersede the necessity of a law of nations. But unfortunately, the great violators of national and social order are those who employ the name of a religion and order as a mask to cover outrageous upon all mankind. The Wayne then goes on Later to quote Emir de Vatel, who said, The faith of treaties is sacred. He who violates them violates the laws of nations. Doubly doubly guilty, he he injures his ally and wounds the whole race. Dwayne again attacks Britain, accusing her of a a history of heretical depredation upon. Neutral com- commerce. Dwayne echoed that later diplomatic historians would concede about the relationships between Moorish imperial authorities and European countries. With the Machiavellian minds, Christian Europeans used virtually every means of necessary to, uh, to secure greater resources and control over non-Western peoples. An important recurring theme in the wait in Dwayne's work. Is the sacred sacredness of recognizing the rights of nations and honoring the sacred agreements, treaties which nations made with one another, importance of the recognized nationality or nationhood. We also quote evident in the 19th century African American leaders such as Martin Delaney, a Moor, okay, 
The claims of no people according to established policy and usage are respected by any nation until they are represented in a national capacity. This is why you need to proclaim your nationality. You need to proclaim that. A lot of people, you've got a lot of these agents out here like Dr. Reggie, Professor Larry, and them stupid-ass uh, Moors and them damn uh, Moor Science temples like Tahaka Bay and Brother Sharif Bay. You know, talking about you've got to join a Moor Science temple to be a Moor. That's a lie. It's a blatant lie. Being a Moor is your birthright. And no one can take your birthright from you. You are Moor by birth, not by joining a temple. I hope a lot of people can get that through their thick skulls. You get. I had to put them out there because it's getting late and the hour is late. The the sand is getting really low in the hourglass. I don't have time to spare anybody. I don't have time to spare anybody's feelings. We don't have the time. Things are getting ready to happen real soon. And a lot of us need to be nationalized. Because everything goes back to your nationality. A lot of people want to find a lot of remedies, like the UCCs, non-UCCs, authentication of the birth certificates, the secretary and executive letters. Well, all of these goes back to your nationality. If you don't have a nationality, you're not going to be successful. Uh, not going to be successful at doing those other things. You must have a nationality. That's why you see people like Jonah Bay being successful in what he does. Brother Yusuf El, Brother Tohaka El Bay in, 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 in Jacksonville, Florida, good brother. Not talking about that that clown to Harker Bay in 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 Maryland, the temple in Baltimore, Maryland. I ain't talking about him. I'm talking about the, the, the good brother, wise brother that a lot of more should listen to when they have problems with their mortgage, dealing with the so-called law, with these policy holders or policy enforcers. They all will tell you, in order to achieve these things, it all goes back to your nationality. Because without your nationality, you would not be successful in trying to do these things without a nationality. You must proclaim your nationality. Have affidavits, nationality papers. 
some of you may have to pay. You're paying for the labor. I ain't talking about paying the outrageous prices that some of these clowns be charging the people. Like $1,500 and $1,000 and all that kind of crazy mess. They're sucking off of the people, sucking off of their ignorance. And they ain't doing nothing but reaping the benefits off of their ignorance. You're bloodsuckers. Know who you are. Know what I'm talking about. I ain't got to say your names. You suck off of the ignorance and poor of the people. You know damn well you ain't got to charge them that much notes to be nationalized. $1,500. What kind of crazy mess is that? All right, let me move along here. When you owe, by the way, when you go, when you get uh, get your affidavits and all your nationality papers, you go to the notary. If you have a notary at your bank or a private notary, that's even better. Your own private notary to notarize certain papers. Not all of your papers, but just certain papers to get them notarized. Then your next step will go to the county recorder of records and deeds of vital statistics. That on the record for the public record to let people to let the people at large, the public at large, to know who you are, that you are a national moor, that you are a more nationalist. Then you go to the county clerk office, Circuit Court County Clerk office. You do not go to a judge. You do not go to a judge. You do not go to a judge. You go to the clerk office. And if you have a problem uh, with that in your state, send it back to your uh, the people who nationalize you and see if they can go to their court down there where they're domicile and get a court order for your corrected name so you can use it whatever what purpose you want to use it for. And if you want, not necessary, but if you want to also, you can go to the newspapers and have it put on the newspapers for uh, two or three weeks. Put it out there like that. If no one had claimed that name, then the name would be yours lawfully. When you put your, when you when you uh, file your all your records in a county recorder of records and deeds records and deeds and vital statistics, and within thirty days, if they have not been rebutted, then it stands at law. Okay. Just want to put that out there also. This is why we should call ourselves Moors. 
this is, this is why we are Moors and why we should call ourselves Moors. Because, you know, we talk about the Treaty of Peace and Friendship between the Moroccan Empire and the United States Corporation. Well, they didn't make the United States Corporation did not make any treaties with any Negroes, black people, African Americans, or people of color. They made treaties only with Moors. And that's the only we are the only people uh the treaty applies to. We people who are Moors, we are the only people the treaty applies to. No one else. No black Africans. They make treaties with black Africans. They make treaties with people of color. They make trees with an African American. Only with Moors. Okay? Here's something here I'm going to read off to you. U.S. diplomacy with Morocco and special considerations for Moorish nationals. Okay. Here's it in Forbes in the book called uh, The African and Native Americans. That's another good book you need to get. Okay, I'm going to read this here. Forbes informs us that in 1792, a statute passed by the South Carolina legislature denied Moors access to the state for a term of years. But this statute can give a false impression of the overall relations with imperial Moors, uh, Moorish powers and the status of those recognized as Moors by the U.S. federal and state authorities. Two years after earlier in South Carolina Journal of House of Representatives, Wednesday, January 20, 1790, there appears the following entry. A petition was presented to the House from Sandry Free Moors, subjects of the Emperor of Morocco, the residents of this state, South Carolina, praying, praying that in case they should commit any fault amenable to be brought to justice that they, as subjects to a prince in alliance with the United States of America, may be tried under the same laws as the citizens of this state, would be liable to be tried and not under the Negro Act. What did I just got through telling you a second ago? I'm going to read this again. Petition was presented to the House of Sandri Femores, subjects of the Emperor of Morocco and residents of this state, South Carolina, praying that in the case they should commit any fault amenable to be brought to justice, that they, as subjects to a prince in alliance with the United States of America, may be tried under the same laws as the citizens of this state, would be liable to be be tried and not under the Negro Act. But that's what a lot of our people are uh, being uh, being tried now under the Negro Act. Negro, Negro Act. 
at this very day, at this very moment. A lot of you that are listening to this show tonight that are not nationalized, I, I hope that you're listening to me real good. Okay? Barry informs us that the House replies favorably. House Representative Joseph Grink, General, uh, General Pickney, and Edward Rutledge informed the Moors that their petition was duly accepted and granted. We must assume that these Moors looked racially Africoid, otherwise there they would have been no need for them to secure legislation. In short, they looked like any other so-called black or mulatto slave or free. James Hagee cites two cases where men dressed in Moorish habit appeared in Charleston, in 1786, they were picked up by law officers, and it was and it was later determined that they were of the Jewish nation. The men in this case were found to have been originally sailed from Algeria to Virginia. The men were evident found to not have been friendly Moors, but rather they were summarily arrested on suspicion of being Algerines, the brown-skinned Moors, also known as Turks. Read this again. When they say that the bay is a Turkish term, okay, listen to this. The brown-skinned Moors, also known as Turks, of Sumter S. Uh, South Carolina are known to, to live in that region for more than two centuries. The same 19th century African-American abolitionist Robert Purvis is a descendant of this more Turk community. According to historians Michael Johnson and James Rourke, Purvis' mother was apparently one, one of the free people of color near Stateburg known as Turks. But well into the 20th century, this community, this community would continue its struggle to, to distance itself from any association with the terms Negro and Black. In the 1950s, the Moors of in the 1950s, the Moors of Sumter, South Carolina, sought to maintain their historic access to whiteness. That is a Status, not a people. Okay, so everybody uh, understand that they tried to do via battles with the public school system, efforts by state authorities to segregate more Turk children from white. White children were met with court battles. In 1953, federal court judge Ashton H. Williams recognized that the Sumter Moors were not Negroes and had and had even spoke of their long legacy as jurors and voters in their South Carolina community, a right held only by whites. In spite of their recognized African and Asiatic origins, the larger historical records showed that they have lived primarily as white citizens. 
That was their status. Brutenberry also stated that the Sumter Moors, Turks, most famed progenitor, Joseph Benahaley, was described as being of Moorish, Turkish, or Arab origin. Benahaley was known to have fought in 1780 with General Thomas Sumter's Continental Forces against the British. Okay, let me move along here. But these are uh, uh, my my allergies kind of cutting up on me tonight, so but please bear with me tonight, okay? Okay. All right, excuse me. Okay, let me read some more of this. Pretty interesting. Okay. Rutenberry states that the Sumter Moors, okay, I read this already, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, General Sumter was called the Sword of South Carolina by his Masonic brethren as a result of his Revolutionary War efforts, Joseph Ben Ali, Joseph Ben Ali, meaning the son of Ali, Joseph Ben Ali, a.k.a. Benin Ali, that is the, uh, that is uh, the original name of Joseph Ben Ali, uh, the Washita name. Uh, the Washita is the origin of the Washington. The word Washington uh, comes from Washita. Washita is the organic word of Washington. It is the uh, Aboriginal indigenous name is Washita. The English name is Washington. Like Tunica is one of my middle names. It's Tunica. Today known as Turner. So I want to get an understanding of that, okay? Okay. Uh, James Hagee, too, indicates that the Sumter Moors have commonly been linked to black African lineage. Although Hagee says that mystery shrouds their origins, they may have originally been pirates. They probably was, because a lot of boys were pirates. Like Barry, Hagee discovered that Joseph Ben and Haley, a.k.a. Ben Ali, fought with the Continental U.S. forces during the American Revolution and won, won the claim of General Thomas Sumter. Sumter then invited Ben Haley and his more folk further inland near Stateburg where they settled where they settled in spite of the by the community's long hail code designation as Turks, Hagee found that the name Ben Hali Ben Haley is distinctly Moroccan distinctly a Moroccan name and he maintained that the ancestry of the Sumter Turks is Moorish. I wanna stop right here at the term Moroccan and Moor. Okay, the, 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 I had heard one brother today said that Moor had nothing to do with the word Moroccan. But I, I beg to differ, it does. Mauritanian meaning land of the Moors or town of the Moors. Yes, they are all related. Yes, they are related. I have to put that out there. 
I'm not going to say who the brother's name was, but, he's, but you know, I hope he's listening to tonight. Uh, he catched this show on YouTube. And if he wanted, uh, you know, uh, you want to talk to me about it, my phone number is 314-644-4425. 314-644-4425. Okay? I ain't had for nobody. Want to talk to me? You know, give me a call. We can discuss it. I will propose that the confusion surrounding whether to call these folk Turk or Moor stems from the early 18th century history of the Moorish Empire in Northern Africa. According to M. Chenier's 1788 work, the present state of the Empire of Morocco, the northernmost cities of Fez, Magnace, Tremesin, were conquered by the Turks of Algiers, and were during that year, 1788, part of that Turkish regency. Not surprising, this unique, unique situation would allow for, for confusion concerning what to call people from the formerly Turkish-controlled Moorish regency. Hege also mentions a petition of 1790, which a community of Moors presented to the state of South Carolina. It is to be the same petition cited in Berry's work, but Hege actually gives the names of the Moorish petitioners, petitioners, Francis Danielle, Haman and Samuel, and their wives, Fatima or Fatima, Flora, Sarah, Clarinda. Hege seems to imply that these, these were the only Moors who were presented are represented by by that particular January 1790 petition. This petition to the state of legislature requested that these Moors not to be subjected to the laws that govern blacks and slaves. And so that is mine again. Again, this indicates that these Moors sought to avoid being legally officially categorized as Negroes or blacks. They clearly did not want jurisdiction over them to be applied via the Negro Act or Acts of the state. This, uh, I'm reading this for those Negroes always talking about uh, nationality don't mean nothing. They don't, uh, so-called white folks don't care about nationality. They don't care about papers. And I mind you again and again and again. That's why they did it. That's why you got a birth certificate on your ass saying that you're a colored Negro, African American, and black. It's on your birth certificate. Then that system you still consider to be slaves. Because you have not filed paperwork to rebut that. That's why you have to file paperwork, because they did paperwork on us when we all were born and gave us those brands. Our parents didn't know. Our mothers didn't know. Put Negro down there or colored down there or black down there or African-American down there, which is commonly done today. They didn't know.
That's why they constantly fuck off of people's ignorance, even our own people. Our own, our own Moorish uh, uh, people, and those that are nationalized, suck off our ignorance to make what they, uh, what they, what, uh, uh, to make so-called money, but off of their ignorance. So they're being taken advantage of. I'm talking about you fifteen hundred dollar to nationalize our people as Moors. That's what I'm talking about. I need to cut that shit out. Know you wrong, you know that's wrong. Because I know the vast majority of us cannot afford that. We cannot afford it. No form or fashion. This is what I'm. This is what I read. This off to you people that not uh, talking about. You don't need a nationality. Nationalities don't mean nothing. Okay, here's the proof right here. It's been recorded. It's been documented. And this man did this through documented research. Jose Pimenta Bay did this through research. He researched this. says here, the petition and request was evidently honored and recognized for quite a long time by federal and state officials as these moors of Sumter County were listed as white, meaning meaning their status. This is what Brother uh, Chief Nanya Shabu El be talking about Every time on, on on YouTube, this is what he's talking about. This is what he's trying to tell you. Tell you the SF, the Standard Form 181, the SF 181. This is what he's talking about. This very, this is the same very thing that I'm reading to you tonight. Okay, I'm gonna read this again. The petition and request was evidently, evidently honored and recognized for quite a long time by federal and state officials as these moors of Sumter County was listed as white. Not them being white people, but being, uh, being their status being white. It's a status. God, ruler of the land. Which is our actual status. It is white. But the Europeans have stole that from us. Birthright theft. Birthright theft. Birthright theft. Okay? Both Elizabeth Benihaly and a, a relative named Washington Oxidine were both listed as white and at the heads of that household. A Francis Benihaly is cited as the head of another. But in Francis' case, there is a Negro named Elizabeth who was also part of that household. Finally, there was a Joseph Benihaly, also white, who who headed up another. In the comments by transcriber Wilhelm von Heckel, Mr. von Hecke, uh, Mr. von Hecke remarks that the Turks 
Moors of Sumter were regarded as white by the federal census of 1850. The 1860 census cites the various Benihali households. One, Sarah, head, of, head and mulatto. Two, Joey, head and all members were mulatto. Three, Mary said, head and mulatto. Four, Isabella, head and others. Magdalena, Lacardi, and, and Elizabeth were also all mulatto. Five, Ferdinand, head and mulatto. For reasons that aren't clear, in 1860, federal census now lists the Bartholomews as mulatto, and the census letter also evidently misspelled their name as Benahel. I think that this indicates that the census taker was quite unfamiliar with the family's peculiar history and official legal status. In short, he didn't know them, and he only classified them on how they looked to him, which means he was ignorant to the law. So he had fucked them up. That's what he did. He went ahead and listed them as mulatto. With his ignorant ass. Mm. Being familiar with the family and community, we shouldn't be surprised to see that he was also misspelled the surname, the surname, the other more Turk family, the Oxidines, were also now listed as mulatto. The South, the South Carolina Journal entry of January 20th, 1790, stated that the petitioning sundry Moors claimed that they were falsely and inappropriately enslaved with their wives while back home in Africa. They said that they have been fighting for the defense of their country. The specific country was evidently Morocco, since the empire of Morocco was the Pacific Authority to which they directed their allegiance and appeal. These Moors nearly knew Diplomatic law. And this asshole that messed him up, I called him a lotto, didn't. That's what happened. Okay. <clears throat> See it again. These boys clearly knew diplomatic law as well as the political conditions in which they lived. They evidently understood that the newly established U.S. government held treaties and diplomatic relationships with the Moorish Empire. The boundaries of the empire had extended far beyond those of the present-day North African state of Morocco. Read this again. The boundaries of the empire had extended far beyond those of the present-day North African state of, of Morocco. They're talking about here in America. Okay. More superior political authority once went as far south as the Niger River encompassing Gaio and Jenny and, uh, and, and almost reaching to the Volta River to the east. Moorish political authority extended to Egypt's border in the eastern Sudan and had been and had even encompassed Kanin Borno, Morocco's political and territorial authority, had even included Timbuktu, including the famed city's conquest 
by Al Masul in 1591. English lawyer turned explorer James G. Jackson reported that Timbuktu was politically governed by northern-based Moroccan sultans and to the death of Moulay himself in 1727. But by the time of Jackson's visit in 1809, the limited authority of Timbuktu's Babaris King was being acknowledged by the central power of, of the Moroccan government. Significantly, Jackson says of Timbuktu, a native of Timbuktu cannot be a slave. He must have necessarily been born in another country, and these are generally captives taken in battle. This illustrates a significant point regarding the political alliance and cooperation that existed between the northern and southern regions of Africa's Moorish Empire. Undoubtedly, many of the Africans take by slaves, slavers came from within the Moorish dominions. Consequently, we should better grasp the significance of why the of Africans are found petitioning for their freedom in both British and colonial and in U.S. courts. Such Africans obviously understood the laws and agreements which govern the enslavement trade, which, which involve Africans, Arabs, and Turks, and Europeans. Because you know Europeans was, were the first slaves. I have to remind you again, sisters and brothers, Europeans were the first slaves. And they also was treated in the most harshest of the most harshest of brutality known to man, believe it or not. And I say it again, I say it again, and I say it again. We've got to stop playing this victim role because we are not victims and we are not innocent either. Because a lot of our ancestors took part, took a role in a lot of those harsh treatments of those European slaves. Because a lot of our ancestors had European slaves as well as their own Asiatic people as slaves. You don't believe me? Do your research. Barbarian, barbarian cruelty, an eyewitness account of white slavery under the Moors by Francis Brooks. <clears throat> Francis Brooks, F-R-A-N-C-I-S-B-R-O-O-K-S, Francis Brooks, Barbarian Cruelty, Eyewitness Account of White Slavery Under the Moors. Get the, get the book, They Were White and They Were Slaves by Michael A. Hoffman II. Get the books, I don't know the author's names, but get the books of Christian Slaves, African Masters. Oh, yeah. For you that want to call yourself African-Americans, the treaty, does not, the treaty of peace and friendship does not apply to you. They did not make a treaty with African-Americans, only Moors. Okay. Let me go on here and move along. 
James Gray Jackson also singled out great significance of Morocco to Europeans. He said on September 30th, 1811, if ever the interior of Africa is to be explored by Europeans, if ever we we are to reach, reach the grand object of our research, the Imperium of Central Africa, Timbuktu, Morocco is the most eligible point to set out to set out from. As if from Jackson's quote, we see the great importance which European nations attach to Morocco and her imperial dominions. Morocco was seen as the doorway to the vast resources resources of Africa. Consequently, it is not surprising to find that her being <clears throat> that her hold up that her being courted by Britain, nor Britain's rebellious son, the United States. Read this again. <laughs> Read this again. I like this. Morocco is also seen as the doorway to the vast resources of Africa. Consequently, it is not surprising to find that her being courted by Britain, nor Britain's rebellious son, the United States. They're telling you it is a British corporation. It is a foreign, the United States is a foreign corporation, not a country, not a nation, not a government. We're trained on by the Vatican of Rome. Therefore, controlled by the Vatican. It was during the reign of Morocco's imperial sultan, Mohammed III, sultan, 1757-1790, that the United States was born. Let me, read, let me read this again. It was during the reign of Morocco's imperial sultan, Mohammed III, 1757-1790, that the United States was born. He, he brought Morocco greater political stability and international prestige. Piracy against European against European powers declined under his rule. The Sultan also used his power to establish an alliance with the U.S. diplomatic historian J.C. Hurwitz. Informs that that Morocco recognized U.S. independence and sought diplomatic relationships shortly before, shortly after Britain, and were defeated by Continental troops in 1783. But Luella Hall asserts that Moorish imperial recognition of an independent U.S. actually came much earlier in 1778. Moroccan support was actually needed by a fledgling U.S. whose citizenry merchant ships were no longer under the protection of the British Navy. The U.S. also sought naval protection and assistance from friendly European nations, her ally, her ally France, but commercial competition significantly Compromise French interest in assisting U.S. merchant ships. In short, most French merchants did not want U.S. merchant ships flying under the protection of the French flag. Shortly after the independence of 1783, the U.S. failed to pay the necessary uh, taxes to Morocco for use of her vet waters. The U.S. also failed to answer Moorish emissaries and the Moroccans responded by detaining U.S. ships in 1784. This immediately got American attention. 
of course. Consequently, the U.S. government paid taxes and formally made the Treaty of Peace and Friendship and ship signals to the United States and Morocco on June 28th and July 15, 1786. It was drawn up in Morocco under the Honorable Thomas Barclay, the U.S. the Moroccan court. Article 21 of the treaty between the U.S. and Moroccan, the Morocco illustrates one of the benefits which Moors and U.S. citizens were granted by virtue of the treaty. It stated, if a citizen of the United States shall kill or wound a Moor, or on the contrary, if a Moor shall kill or wound a citizen of the United States, the law of the country shall t- take place of equal justice, shall be rendered. That means if we kill a European, which is a U.S. citizen, of the corporal employee of the United States Corporation, then we shall suffer equal punishment as they will suffer as they will kill one of us. That is the treaty, but the treaty only applies to a Moor, not to an African-American, not to a black person, not to a person of color, not to a Negro, not to a colored person, only to a Moor. says here, And short, U.S. citizens, the Moorish dominions were to be under the protection and jurisdiction of imperial Moorish authorities, and recognized Moors in U.S. territories were to be under the protection and jurisdiction of the U.S. federal government. The treaty was to, was, was to continue in full force for 50 years, and it has to be renewed every 50 years. It is the longest treaty in the world, the longest treaty in the world. I hope a lot of you've been listening. I hope I had a lot of listeners tonight, but they really need to hear this because I very rarely talk about the, the treaty of peace and friendship between us and the United States Corporation. Getting late now; they're getting ready to cut me off. So I've been at it. I might want to do. I don't know. I, I might want to do a part three of this. I ain't got the far nowhere near a lot of stuff I wanted to drop to you tonight. All I can say and say is to y'all, get nationalized. Advise your family and relatives to get nationalized. Explain to them what nationality means to them and how better off they will be if they get nationalized. Okay. All right, I'm getting ready to sound off, family. As uh, as I say, as I always say, Bawasamatakunda, which means peace, family. Peace to you all and to the rest of the human family. Peace and goodwill to you all. I say to you, good night. Peace. I am out.